I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome to episode 16 of AI Movie Night. I'm your host, Joe Simpson, and tonight we're going to be discussing the absolute classic that is Alien. I'm lucky enough once again to have two great guests joining me to discuss this classic film. The first guest is Rory Greenfield, one half of the AI Comic Pod. How are you doing, Rory? I'm good, thanks, mate. How's yourself? I'm very good, thank you. Thanks once again for joining me. Uh, really looking forward to this one. Yeah, me too. I'm all... Oh, that's great. I'm also lucky enough to be joined by an absolute legend. He doesn't come on enough pods anymore, but it's always great to hear his voice on anything from football, films, pretty much anything, really. Jim Fishlock. How are you doing, Jim? Yeah, uh, I'm very good, thanks, mate. That's a very nice introduction. Thank you very much. I'm uh, pretty intimidated, to be honest, being on here with you guys, but um, this is Uh, one of my favourite films, so uh, I'm looking forward to adding a bit of simplicity to uh, the conversation. Well, as you know, simplicity is genius, mate, so the more of that, the better, and uh, no need to be nervous. I I, I owe you big time because... uh, you were the first person to get me on an AI pod that I really enjoyed it. So thanks for coming on mine, mate. Much appreciated. No problem. Got a knife of talent, you mate. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're too kind, mate. You're too kind. Well, as you know, there's so much to discuss on this one. So I'm just going to get straight into it, really. So obviously, as I've mentioned earlier, it, it, even to this day, it, it's regarded as an absolute classic alien. Um, why do you think it's still held in such high esteem, Rory? I think it was kind of the, the the pioneer of a lot of films that followed. In terms of its style, it it doesn't really age, which is quite remarkable because it's it's almost forty years old. Which even thinking about when I watched it recently was just an absolute shock because it still in, in parts looks like it could have been made a few years ago. And I've seen films that look worse than it that were made recently um so there's that that element of it because it's 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 a sci-fi film that's just way way ahead of its its time 
but it's it's the suspense and the drama and the, the horror element because a lot of films that followed play out like this film. And a lot of people that know film better than I do probably say that this took its influence from X film before and Ridley Scott took it from X, Y, and Z that have gone before. But in terms of, you know, modern cinema and cinema that followed, um, the way it sets up the suspense and the kind of sheer fear and, and some of the acting in it and, you know, the way it's shot, it's just, it was just quite revolutionary really. And it still holds up that strongly today. Yeah, no, a lot of great points there. And it's interesting you mention influences and things like that. And obviously, I'm sure we'll just touch on this later. It it clearly has been influenced by a number of other films. And obviously, afterwards, a lot of films have been influenced by it. And I think one of the interesting things about it is, um, I think Ridley Scott said in many ways, when they first got to look at the story, it it, it was a B-movie, really, in, in so many yeah. respects, obviously. A lot of it, 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 a lot of the things in it could could be in a B movie, but I think, and obviously, I know we'll be discussing this in more depth. So many of the different aspects of the film are so good that it's elevated it to this classic status. So you know, because everything in it, from obviously the alien itself, the score, you know, the cinematography, you know, the the actors, you know, it's very rare for a, a, a sort of sci-fi stroke horror film uh, definitely in those days uh, uh, to have a cast of this caliber you know every role as someone who, who's a real top-notch you know character actor and it's just i think all those things together have elevated it to be this obviously this this magical film so totally agree there what about yourself jim yeah, I, I think um, what Rory said is spot on, you know, and, and like you said, every single actor and, and the director in this film have gone on beyond this film to have very impressive careers, making fantastic films, being in, being in fantastic films. Again, what you say about it being a B-movie, you know, you could, if you hadn't seen this and you, you got the sort of synopsis in front of you and you just put on Sky, movie, uh, Sky on the sci-fi channel... You could think to yourself, oh, it's one of those ropey sort of science fiction films that they put on the sci-fi channel. But I think it's the realism and the way the film is shot uh, and, yeah, the, the way that the, the actors, every single one of them, um, you know, they bounce off each other. Uh, you know, it's very, very intense. It's a bit of a slow burner to start off with. But I think if once you've watched it through the, the, the first time, you, you realize why it's like that. Uh, and building up until obviously you know we know what happens as, as we get sort of an hour into the film. But I, I just think it's, a, it's a, a combination of all those things. And I, I I think I've watched this film over ten times, and and I watched it again this afternoon, and it's it just it just blows you away every time you watch it. So, some great points there, uh, you know, but from you both, uh, in particularly that one you mentioned then as well about uh, it being a slow burner. I don't think any of the sort of m- most memorable sort of scary, you know, frights or anything to do with the alien really happens until, you know, well after half an hour, if I recall correctly. And I think that 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 sort of tells you how good a film it is. You know, as we said, it, it had the potential to be a B-movie, but actually it ended up being this outstanding, you know, I would say a masterpiece of film. And I think that's evident in the fact that that half an hour it doesn't have any of the things you'd expect, you know, in terms of the alien itself, but you just can't take your eyes off it. And as as you mentioned, even without the alien, 
the score and sort of the claustrophobic setting of so many parts of of their spaceship, you know, these small rooms and things like that, and also the sort of, you know, the little tensions that are built up between the characters help to just help it to be so watchable before you even get to actually the, you know, the real, the real, alien scenes of the film so no totally that's, agree with that's a great there. point that is joke with the you know by the tension between between all the characters because you just get the feeling that if if the alien doesn't get involved it could go another mm-hmm. way the film in that something's going to happen amongst the group you know they're not they're at each other's throats they're not as as a tight unit um now whether that's obviously because they've been away for so long or the fact that they get woken up um, you know, mid mid sleep as as it is, um, and that sort of riles them up. I don't know, but um, yeah, you just get the feeling there's some, some there's like an undercurrent between them all. But again, that just that just adds to the tension because if you're watching it for the first time, you're not you're not quite sure what what's going to happen. True, and I think in a lot of those maybe more B movie type films, speaking for myself anyway, a lot of the time you, you have no interest whatsoever in the characters. They're sort of so throwaway. You know, they're not believable at all. Whereas these, you know, you've got these like, you know, even just things like you've got the two guys who are who are sort of moaning about their wages and trying to get extra money and that. It's so real. They feel like real people, don't they? Whereas in, in those other films, there's nothing there normally. Whereas this, you know, it, everywhere you look, there's something really watchable about it. And I think that all comes together to make it so great. I'm now going to look at um, basically the first time you both saw the film, really. So can can you remember when you first saw it, Jim, and what impression it made on you at the time? Uh, well, I wasn't born when it uh, first came out in 1979, so I I don't remember the first time. It definitely wasn't in the cinema, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. But if I had to uh, make an educated guess, it's probably about the age of about 13 or 14 where I don't know if it was the same for you guys, but there used to be video shops of sort of disrepute yeah. in and around the Cardiff area, <laughs> where if if you sort of knew somebody that may well have been uh, <laughs> or looked eighteen, you could sort of uh, <laughs> sort of get uh, get your hands on these eighteen uh, videos and uh, videos as it was then. Yeah, and um, I remember. I'm pretty sure we went through a phase a few of my mates just watching sort of the scariest ones uh, that we could get our hands on, and this was one of them. And um, it just, yeah, I was just flabbergasted. Um, you know, at that age, you don't really appreciate the quality of the film, but the the alien, I, I've still to this day not seen anything like it uh, in a film in terms of you know the the way it's created and the sheer sort of ferocity and the power that it has in terms of uh, you know when it's when it's on the hunt. It's uh, it's a remarkable uh, creation. Yeah, no, no, it is uh, that that's a. Uh... You know, I think you, you've you've summed that up really well in terms of that the alien creature itself. It's just so memorable, isn't it? And I suppose that that's a great point to ask your thoughts of the alien itself, Rory, and obviously as well when you first you know remember seeing the film. I, I, you know, when you asked this question when you, you emailed the, this across, I, mm-hmm. I can't remember when I first saw it. There's something about you know around the kind of sixteen year old age where I had Sky Movies and I think they showed pretty much all the Alien films quite regularly. Um, and I think I ended up watching like Alien Resurrection about five times, even though it's pretty terrible. Um, and 
and then aliens and then alien and i didn't i didn't watch them in the correct order at all and they all blended together for a period of time until i watched it i don't know when i was about 20 um when i kind of took film a little bit more seriously do you know what i mean and and appreciate it for what it was um and yeah i i'm the same i I still want to watch this film and, and Aliens. I, I don't think much... I, I don't like horror films. That's my general standpoint. I like I like thrillers a lot, um, and I like things that have got that kind of level of drama um, and suspense and, and, you know, intelligent kind of films. And this this borders, you know, obviously, sci-fi, which is one of my favourite genres, and horror. And because, because of the Alien and because of the setting... It it's just it's just incredible. I mean, everything you said was right at the beginning. That it it is a masterpiece of film on on every level. Which which for this kind of style, like you know, imagine that in the seventies, like sci-fi. For, you know, films. Have, it's it's. I, I would have loved to see that at the cinema. I still would love to see it at the cinema. In fairness, it's something that mm. I, I don't think you know when you talk about slow burning and, and elements of that nature. If you watch this in the cinema. The, the moment, you know, well, there's a few moments, but I would have been off my seat probably. I mean, you know, Jaws was so pioneering in its kind of nature and people afraid to go in the in the sea afterwards. Do you know what I mean? At the time, yeah. I can't imagine what this did to people when they turned the lights off at night. Do you know what I mean? It's oh. it's that alien is so intimidating. It's it's like Jim said, it's the it's the height and the scale of it and the and the power and just just the look of it. That kind of chrome you know, uh, skin that it's got and uh, it's just so intimidating. And there's, yeah, there's never really been anything made since that has really lived up to it. Maybe about a sequel in that style and genre. I, I love a lot of other sci-fi films and they do a lot of other stories and other things, but this film just kind of crossed genres and was as I said before, just just way, way, way ahead of its time. Um, and that's why it's regarded the way it is. And that's why if you watch it again, you know, and at some point, you know, like Terminator 2 and other films I watch with my son when I don't think it's going to give him nightmares. Um, and he'll just be, he'll be the same. You know, it'd be 50 years old yeah. maybe and it'll still have that kind of impact. It's it's quite incredible. I've done the same as, as you, Rory, many times in the... Uh, yeah. When uh, when on my, uh, my my various recuperation uh, periods after uh, operations <laughs> and uh, got Sky Movies on the go and and literally it's it's every single one every single one of them mm-hmm. even the the ropey Alien versus Predator ones uh, are downloaded and, and watched because I I just am fascinated by the Alien it it yeah. is. I, I, it's all, it's, it's very, very difficult to describe the sort of the creation of it because it's, it's the perfect killing machine, I guess. It, it's the perfect, um, you know, it, it is sort of end of days thing. You know, if, if that got loose or more than one of them got loose, um, you know, I'm glad it happens in space, you know, the, you, you can easily, uh, sort of, you know, suspend reality because it's happening in space, but you know, they're, they're just, it's exceptional. There's no sort of, there's no weaknesses to it, is there? You know, it's, um, it, it's just, it's a fascinating, fascinating creation. And, and it just shows, like, we, like we've all said, you know, 1979 it was made. And, and like, you know, like Roy says, if this was in the cinema tomorrow, I'd be there in the IMAX front row. Yeah. Well, maybe not front row, but I'd be there, you know, <laughs> watching it 
watching, you know, watching probably all, all the first three again, definitely, because I can live with the third one. That, that's 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 not too bad in the prison, but after that, they get a little bit uh, a little bit silly. I, then. I, th- I think you allow a bad third, well, you know, moderate third film because of the two that have gone before. Do you know what I mean? It's all right, but yeah. when you start throwing in Predator, I kind of turn off. Then, oh, yeah. Otherwise, same here. I think it once you do that, it cheapens both the alien and the predator. I think um, totally agree with you both. Uh, I totally agree with you both on on the alien itself. Uh, Creditor HR Giga there for just this unbelievable creation, and I think uh, one of the lines in the film from Ash is great. I think he says something like, "Doesn't he? It's a, it's structural perfection is matched only by its hostility." And what what a great line that is. Yeah. And I think it it it, yeah. it, it, it really yeah. does sum up the alien. And uh, uh, interestingly, I saw something that said that, uh, and it's amazing how these things happen. Obviously, I, I think as well as being a, an ugly creature in some ways, it's beautiful in some ways when you see it at certain angles and like. You know, certain bits where you just see the the top of its head. There's something about it. I don't know. Just you can't take your eyes off it. But it's striking, uh, on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very. Uh, and like nothing else I've ever seen. And you know, it, it, uh, I saw something that said, and it's funny how these things happen. Some things are just, you know, real. You know, someone comes up with a great idea, but a lot of these films, as we discuss, you know, every few weeks are, are about solving problems. And, and just one of the problems they had was, well, why doesn't someone just shoot it? And that's how they came up with the acid for blood. And that is just brilliant, isn't it? You know, just this one yeah. problem. Well, how do we solve it? And then they've created, and it just adds another layer to such a great, a great creature. So it's just a, no, it's just a, a, a great, great creation, as you've both said. I'm now going to look at uh, Ripley as a character and the performance of Sigourney Weaver. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that, Jim? I thought, and I, and again, like, I've watched I've watched the, this one again recently, and I know you're going to go on and talk about the, the later ones in, in different podcasts. Mm-hmm. But comparing her performance of Ripley in in the later films uh, to this one, she's a more I think a more rounded character in this film because she's not as as traumatized. You know, mm-hmm. she's not as she's not as guarded. You know, there's there's bits at the start of the film where she's almost a bit ladylike and a bit giggly. Um, especially in, in the, in the bit where, in the infirmary, you know, when, um, uh, John Hurt's got it on his face and, um, and it's, it's got off and they're looking for it, uh, the face hugger and, um, it sort of drops down, you know, and she's all sort of, ooh, yeah. you know, which is very un, un sort of Sigourney Weaver like, uh, and, or un Ripley like, should I say. And then as you're watching, as the film goes on and more and more bad stuff happens until, you know, right at the end where she's face to face with this creature and you can see her evolving as the film goes on into this, this very, very damaged uh, in, individual. And I can't blame her. <laughs> yeah, no, so, summed up really well there. Well, what about yourself, Rory? What are your thoughts on, on Ripley as a character and, and obviously the performance? Yeah, I, I think <clears throat> it's, it's very rare at that time, probably of having kind of female lead with that much, you know that much tenacity and and, and fight and, and you know obviously at first as Jim said kind of soft approach to it but she she definitely hardens as the film goes on and, and that kind of transpires across you know the later films as well um she becomes 
oh, well, in the second one, she's she's pretty brutal and pretty hard. Um, and and that kind of performance, it, it's it's kind of rarely seen in, in cinema, probably by female. They they wouldn't have given the script and 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 that much. I don't know. It, it doesn't fit of that era. Do you know what I mean? It was it was yeah. known for being a film that kind of pushed boundaries in 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 other aspects as well as obviously the, the way it looks and the, uh, everything else we've discussed really. So yeah, her role is, uh, her role is great. Um, she's very untrusting at times um, and she's quite right to be. Um, and she's the only one that really, well, you know, there's a scene, so obviously she doesn't want to let him back on board uh, when the aliens, well, you know, attaches to his helmet or his face and she, she, she knows the risk. She's already got that kind of air of trepidation about it. Um, she's much more fearful than the others. They're always laughing and joking, and she's kind of not always involved with that. Um, and she she works well, you know. And that's kind of cause of friction, as you discussed earlier between the characters. She's a big part of that. She gets a massive slap across the face from who I think is John Hurt's girlfriend, didn't he? As such, or maybe not. But um, you know, in terms of the other other actor and, and not landing back on the yeah. ship initially and stuff. So yeah, she she's she's good. She's a, the antagonist. I think she's she's great in it, to be honest. I think it's an excellent role for her. Yeah, no, no, I agree agree with you both. They're excellent performance and such a you know, like you both met I, I like that. It's like it's not one note. Obviously she's an extremely strong, intelligent woman in it. But but she also has bits of where she'll show fear understandably and panic and you know at, at times you know she, sheer desperation but but she keeps it all together and I like that they show that as well you know they show you know all the different emotions you would be going through you know if you were in this you know dire situation and I just think it's just a brilliant performance and I like you know as you say she's so intelligent and strong and like she she's the one you know she's got this tension particularly with Ash because I think she can sense something's not quite right with him. And, you know, she's the one keeping them honest, as you say, you know, it, she wouldn't let um, she wouldn't let John Hurt's character uh, came back on the ship um, because she was sticking to the rules and she, she knew what was best for them as a whole, rather than just going with emotions as obviously the captain was. And, you know, she she was the one making correct decisions, but being overruled there time and time again in the early parts of the film. And I think it, it's just good seeing that sort of clash between it and it and Ashu. I know we're going to talk about now because that that's a really interesting relationship in the film. So, what are the, your thoughts um, on the dynamic? Ca- sorry, sorry, Joe. The dynamic no, go on. between sorry. Her, um, Dallas and Ash is um, is really interesting to watch. You know, right right from the very mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, and like yeah. you say, she's constantly questioning, you know, she makes reference, doesn't she? She says, oh, surely the science officer should have, uh, mm-hmm. you know, certain yeah. things to say about this and that, you know. And, and she almost sort of steps on Dallas's toes a couple of times. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting dynamic, I think. Yeah, totally agree. And I, I think that you, you, you've hit on something there as well. Dallas is the captain, but he's quite laid back in a lot of respects. He's firm when he needs to be, but generally he's quite laid back, whereas... She's a lot more like she doesn't just take things as red. So, uh, as an example, like when he creates the 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 sensor, straight away she's asking him about it. She wants to know exactly how it works. You know, she, you know, she's just a very intelligent person, and she she expects 
everybody to step up and is questioning them all where necessary to try and ensure they're doing all they can do and and what they're doing and how they're doing it. So, yeah, no, it's an interesting dynamic between the three of them. What are your thoughts on on the character of Ash and the performance of Ian Holm, Rory, and obviously that dynamic and relationship we've just mentioned? I I love Ian Holm. I think he's a great actor. Um, Mm -hmm. I think he's pretty much perfect for this role, to be honest. Um, I mean, all the cast are are fairly inspired, but he, he plays that role so well and it is it's quite a twist really do you know what i mean i i I had no real idea he was a as a robot throughout until it happened i i honestly and you know i think now in the modern era of spoilers and where everything gets reviewed (laughs) everywhere you, you wouldn't probably be able to keep those kind of elements secret um but in this this it just it really works. Um, so he's very dry. You know, he's obviously very robotic in his approach to things, but you don't, you see him as that kind of science based and that kind of makes sense in his role and the way he plays it. Um, but you just don't know what his ulterior motives are. Do you know what I mean? And I, I love a film that's almost got a second bad guy as such. Do you know what I mean? A second yeah. source of, of problems. It's that kind of twist where it's not, if one thing is going against you, that's bad enough, you know, but when you've got, an outside source disrupting and making things more difficult. It just changes everything. So that role that is, you know, pretty prominent in the way the film plays out in the last kind of half an hour or so, he's he's very pivotal to that and he's seen, you know, when the ultimate reaches demise and his head's laid on the floor is quite quite remarkable really. Totally agree. And I think as you say, having that second, you know, uh, sort of tension cause I suppose in in in, a, in and around that spaceship is um, it, it means even when there's nothing to do with the alien you're always unsettled in some way you know be it by his reaction you're never comfortable never comfortable no. like no. you never if that cast you you know they have a couple of moments well they have one moment where they're quite happy around the dinner table um <laughs> for a very brief moment um because uh, we're about to discuss that but um <laughs> but you know they have that moment but the, the rest of the time there's it's always on knife edge you know what i mean you, you yeah. never feel that comfortable watching it which is great i think that's why it works you know it always keeps you on on your toes after about the half an hour point it is quite a slow yeah. build up into it but but that's fine it works well in the grand scheme of it yeah, no, completely agree. What about yourself, Jim? Obviously, I know you you enjoy those dynamics between those characters. Uh, anything you'd like to add on that relationship at all? I, yeah, just echo what Rory said, really. I, I thought he was fantastic. And uh, again, I, I didn't see it coming. It's almost sort of like a, a Star Wars sort of reveal, um, you know, when he, he sort of ends up to being this robot. And, uh, you know, I just think they're, they're up against this alien this this creature which is sort of just picking them off one by one and you know uh dallas has has obviously passed away and um uh ripley head, heads off into to sort of the the unit to speak to mother and uh of course she finds out then that um there's obviously this ulterior motive for the whole mission um and he he's it's, it's the reveal you know a little bit more of a reveal into his sort of character and the way that he's been been portrayed and and, and what his role is while he's on the ship uh, and I guess sort of just watching how that affects the remaining group, you know, when you think you're dealing with one issue and, and, mm-hmm. you know, you're all dealing with it together to find out that actually, you know, one of the, one of the remaining people, because there's that bit at the, just, just a couple of minutes before she finds out where she, they're on about just jumping into the shuttle, 
and uh, and just you know blowing the ship up, you know. And, and Ripley says, "Well, we can't fit Ford in." Well, yeah. if she'd had that conversation five minutes later, <laughs> I don't think uh, fitting Ford in would have been an issue, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it, it was just really, really clever. Just really, really clever. Totally agree, and great point that, uh, as you say, it must make it all the more, you know, heartbreaking and make her all the more angry that, as you say, she was essentially putting all their lives at risk, you know, not abandoning the ship and going in the shuttle because of them being four, and obviously he's the one who's stopping that happening, and well, one one of the ones stopping it happening, and obviously he's a robot with a with an ulterior motive that makes them all expendable, so it just makes it you know, even worse that 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 he would be doing that at the same time. I, I like some of the little things he does as well, like uh, the little run he does. He does a little run on the spot at one yeah. stage, and, and obviously that's before we know he's a robot. But watching it back after knowing that, it, it it's just another little sign and uh, the odd look he does. And like some of this could obviously is not necessarily because he's a robot, but sometimes you can see little looks he's doing. They just little things to just make you more suspicious about him obviously as well as those there's there's quite a few characters in there that are interesting in different ways uh, have you got any thoughts on any of the rest of the crew at all jim any of those stand out for you or on the setting of the nostromo itself yeah um the, do, do you know what when i first start watching it the, the first thing that springs to mind is um is is how how very much like uh, Star Wars, and you hope it is because mm-hmm. whenever I see that, I, I I know that it's not really in space. You know, I, I I'm not stupid, but watching <laughs> it the way the way it's it, it's put together, it's not done on on a, a green screen or, or not using any special effects or anything. But it looks it looks realistic, you know, and 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 yeah. for a split second, I could believe that that ship is in space, moving as quickly or as slowly as it is, and then when it goes inside the spaceship again, now whether or not it's sort of my subconscious because I've seen this film and and Star Wars and others like you, and I think that looks like a spaceship to me, and it looks real, you know, that it is yeah. tangible. The, the actors are touching it, they're interacting with it, uh, and and it just the whole of the, of the ship. And, and, you know, the, the ambience for the film just goes perfectly hand in hand, I think, in terms of the set, you know, and, and just the way, it, you know, it, it's hot, it's sweaty, it's humid, you know, um, it, you know, it's dark, it's dingy. It's the perfect place, really, for, for any sort of creature to hide out and sort of, and grow and, and, and you know, nest as, it, as, as, as we see happens later on in the film. So I think, you know, the spaceship itself adds another sort of layer to um to the film uh but in terms of the other cast members you know I, I think dallas is great i think um you know he's he's one of those sort of really fed up anything for a quiet life sort of you know this is what we're gonna do this is how we're gonna do it and if it's anyone else's department they can sort it out just tell me so that i can just crack on you know and and he's you can tell he's just really fed up and he probably can't wait to get home um but yeah. As it was, he was never getting home. <laughs> Summed up really well there. What about yourself, Rory? Have you got any thoughts on the rest of the crew or on the spaceship itself? Yeah, I, I, I'm with Jim. I mean, obviously, I, I host the comic pod and we talk about very modern cinema. Um, some a little bit older, mm-hmm. but mostly modern. Um, and that's all green screen, or, or mostly. Um, and they make it work, and, and it is believable in its own kind of sense of things. But I like a set. 
So yeah. when you watch films like Jim said, where where you can you can feel it's almost real. Do you know what I mean? And and yeah. it's the same same with TV and it's the same with most things. It's I think a set of this scale and it it wouldn't work well if it wasn't a set because the way the camera angle is shoot things and I'm not trying to get overly technical. It's just, you know, you can't make things appear the way they appear and you can't, like Jim says, get those kind of senses into your head. You know, the scene when, you know, they slice the, um, the alien, you know, when it's attached to his face and the acid burns through the floor and that's all obviously done in some capacity, uh, probably real capacity actually. Um, <laughs> and you obviously feel that, and it's it's quite incredible when you watch films and you can kind of sense the the heat and the, the, the it, it's in tune with your senses, which is quite hard to get. So yeah, the space is incredible, and yeah, I I like Parker's character a lot. Um, I think he's almost a bit of light relief um, at times. John Hurt's character albeit isn't in for that long, but, you know, still has quite a prominent role. Um, I think they all add something. You know, there's a lot of films, sci-fi films now, where you know half the cast are fodder, basically. <laughs> so if these, the, if you've seen this kind of film repeated, um, it's not often repeated in the same way, but, uh, you know, a lot of horror films and, and whatever, a lot of them, you know, are just going to be picked off. And yeah. this film doesn't really initially give you that, sense they all have a, a bit of a role some a little bit more prominent than others but yeah i think everyone just in the way they bounce off each other and you've got some pretty big name actors in there do you know what i mean and, and none of them have a great amount of script time and that that kind of works it's all about the environment and the alien really once you get into it so yeah no totally agree and i'm i'm so glad you mentioned the uh, parker there he's one of my favorites he, oh, he's he great. really makes really makes me laugh and he's such a big strong character and uh yaffa koto who played him um, i was reading a funny thing where ridley scott said <laughs> said when he found out he was meant to be killed off he was like there's no way this alien is killing me there's no way you can kill me, this alien. And he said he had to spend ages convincing him that he had to let it, you know, had to, had to let it beat him. And I love that type of thing, you know. I think it it really shows in his performance as well that he he he, he does always have that sort of that attitude that he, he will be able to beat it and, you know, he doesn't need anyone to help him. And, you know, I, I love little things like that. In, I think he, he said it during the uh, sort of the filming of the the film, uh, Ridley Scott told him to uh, go around and actively annoy Sigourney Weaver off the camera, <laughs> so that uh, when when you see the tension between the two of them, it, it's it's very very real because uh, he he was a, a swine apparently off camera to us. So uh, yeah, just oh, to sort of is. add to the authenticity of it, you know. Oh no, I love things like that. Those little tidbits that clearly, you know add into everything in that mix and add a whole new layer of like tension as you say oh that that's quality love things like that on the uh, spaceship some great points made by you both and i totally agree that the fact that you believe it's real it, it helps to immerse you so much in the film and talking about star wars it's interesting you mentioned that because i think that was the first major film or at least the first one that I, i'm aware of that used that sort of lived in universe in space you know with the ship ships that look 
battered and dirty and look like they've been lived in and used for years. And this has so much of that in it, doesn't it? I think he got a lot of the parts from an aircraft graveyard. So the real sort of mechanical instruments or real sort of, you know, mechanical, you know, metal walls and things to make it look like a real lived in ship. And it, it really does add so much to it. Even little things like I think he said he wanted it to look like when they go to different places, they get little little keepsakes or little things like little gadgets like the, the ducking bird and or like, you know, I think he's got this page free posters and things and certain things. It looks yeah. like people live in this spaceship. It doesn't just look like they've turned up one day on this set and gone, let's film this scene. It looks like a real living, breathing, a living and breathing place where these people all exist from, you know, over many, many years while, while off doing this uh, mining in space. So, no. You can, tell it, you, can tell it took, you can tell it took time. Do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. There's a lot of films you watch and, and you read that the set time is four weeks and stuff. I, I think mm-hmm. with films like this, obviously the production is quite heavy, especially the, the kind of visuals and things. But, you know, the set itself will have taken time to put together um, the whole, you know, filming experience. I think they reading they budgeted about four and a half million dollars which is a lot at the time and then it came in about 11 million because they basically trusted Ridley Scott's you know storyboards and, and thought it'd be worth the extra money it grossed 183 million dollars and I presume that's to, to date do you know what I mean I presume there's yeah. been re-releases and you know but for a film that cost 11 million and, and grossed 183 you know films now don't don't gross 183 million dollars do you know what I mean it's it's quite great. But the best thing here is that the opening weekend, it made £208 um, <laughs> in, in the UK. I think that's what it says oh, here. My right. that's right. um, that is amazing. So I think it's 208 or it might be 2008 or something. So it's one of those that it probably wasn't on initial release as, as big as it's become. I think it's very much a cult phenomena but it's it's bigger than that you know it's it's kind of it's a cult film with a slightly larger following if that makes sense it's, it crosses a, those kind of divides where it, it kind of just keeps going because it's a classic it's a cult classic you know oh no that that i, I love that 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 that's crazy that fact about <coughs> how much it took initially just shows yeah. you though i suppose with with such quality I presume the word of mouth must have just spread like wildfire. Well, that's it. it. Yeah, 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 that's it. I mean, big cast and, and you know, I'm not sure if Ridley was a, a big director at the time. I don't think he was. I think, so. it was only, oh, I think it was only his second film. And I think as well, most of wow. those casts, yeah, most of those casts, who'd only, he'd done loads of adverts and things. So I think he was a really yeah, good he, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think all that he 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 knew what he was doing, obviously, as we can tell. But it, it was as only a second film, and I think um, interesting you mentioned Did the cast. Imagine as doing well, that obviously. as his second film. Imagine uh, doing that as his second film. I mean, his third film is Blade Runner. This is quite remarkable. It's crazy. It's quite amazing, really. Obviously, he's gone on to have a a kind of mixed career. I, you know, people. Some people like him. He, he kind of some of his films, not not so much, but he still produced some incredible films. Um, well, as James Cameron said, he's arguably produced two of the two of the three greatest sci-fi films on his own. And as yes. you say, back to back, that's incredible. That it is, really it is. is incredible. Yeah, it took him five years apart as well, so you can kind of show the dedication to it. You know, there's there's some directors that really do 
you know, work with the script and work with the, the casting and work with the production, and, and they're the ones that really make these kind of films. So, yeah, it's it's great. I think that leads us nicely on with us. So obviously, praising Ridley Scott, uh, it, it leads us nicely on to the special effects in this film, and obviously he's heavily responsible for so many of them, and obviously such a great director, particularly on this film. What are your thoughts on them, Rory? The effects are, are incredible. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, we talked about the visuals on the ship, particularly, um, but the alien alone is just it's just stunning. And the visuals when they're going on to the bigger ship and they, they come across that kind of giant alien who's kind of been fossilised, just that scene, it just to me, is just mind-blowing that that was done that long ago, really. All the scenes in space look pretty real in consideration because it's, it's obviously there's some age to it. It's not, it's not made yesterday, you know? So, but, but the visual effects, I mean, it won an Oscar for them and you, you can tell it, it, it really is ahead of its time. It probably set a lot of things for films going forward. I, I said it influenced a lot of films in terms of its style. So obviously, you know, the suspenseful elements and you see so many films now that, that basically are a rip-off of, of Alien in one way or another. Even if it's a different monster, if it's, a, you know, whatever it is, you know what I mean? So, um, but, but the visuals, yeah, I think visually it was just way ahead in terms of the way it used cameras on, on the basic point of view from that that perspective. It's using camera angles and styles that probably weren't weren't really seen before that and just the, the effects of the alien and, and and even the smaller alien and all the other aspects to it um just just stunning really yeah no no great great points there um it's funny as well i mean so many of us i wonder if this is because of his advertising background maybe or what but obviously as you say with a relatively limited budget for 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 obviously the brilliance he was producing he had to solve so many problems themselves with ingenuity and just some of them uh jim mentioned earlier on simplicity and some of them are so simple but so clever like they had a model uh, of the the nostromo spaceship and to make it look bigger he got a couple of his kids and someone else's kids to act as the sort of the people coming off the ship in this sort of spacesuit to make it look twice as big. Now, obviously, that's just such a simple technique, but it works so well. You know, doubt anyone ever looked at them and thought, oh, they're kids in those spacesuits. They just think, God, what what a spectacle, do you know what I mean? So clever. Or even like, even the egg and things like that. It's like bits of sheep. You know, insides of sheep used within yeah, sheep intestines. Was, yeah, I, I just read it before. It was um, four scallops, a sheep intestine, <laughs> and then some kind of cuttlefish or something. Ah, oh, so, but so clever because when you look at it, you you think, yeah, that, that that looks like the inside of a living creature, and it's because it is the inside of a living creature. And obviously, <laughs> so cheap. You know, you could have spent all sorts of money creating something. But he just does it so simply, and I've never once thought, "Oh, that doesn't look like it's part of the creature." It's just just done so well, and I suppose the way it's shot as well. You know, one of one of the biggest enemies of anyone creating any creature is how do we avoid it looking like a man in a suit? You never ever look and think that's a man in that alien suit. But I don't anyway. It's just done so well. It just 
just just brilliant by him. What about yourself, Jim? Have you got any thoughts on the special effects? Yeah, I, I, I think you've both you know pretty much nailed it. Uh, they're incredible. You know that scene with the uh, with the eggs. You know, there's so many of them, and they all you know they're all sweating, they're all wet. You know, they look like they've been there for ages, and then it just opens up. You know, um, and even even when uh, Kane is he's he's back in the ship and he's got that thing on his face. You know, and um, I know it's, it's clever camera work and things, but you can see them when they start trying to pry it off initially. It tightens up around his throat, um, and it, it's just—it's just very, very clever. All of it, all of it. Um, it's you know, it, it, like like you've said, it's just so far ahead of his time. Um, it's all very, very realistic. There's obviously no green screen or anything in there. Everything that's happening feels like it's actually happening. You know, and that uh, that that uh, chest bursting scene was apparently done uh, in one take with uh, four different camera angles on it. Which, when you think of, you know, when you watch it, if you just focus on watching that scene, you know, um, John Hurt in that is, is fantastic. But um, you know, the, the the sort of confusion and 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 the distress of everybody involved in that scene, and then for this little creature <laughs> to just appear with those really bright silvery sort of lead looking like teeth, you know, look, which look like they could do some serious damage, even though it's only probably about eight feet, uh, eight inches tall. Yeah, it's just. It's just brilliant. Just really, really, really brilliant work. Yeah, no, you're right. And, and as you say, it's eight inches tall, but it, it is so scary, this little creature. And I think that that's a credit, you know, sometimes, particularly with it being the small version of it, you know, sometimes in other films, if it done less well, that could have been something you laugh at. You know, obviously, it, 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 in a way, the whole film hinges on the believability of that scene. And the special effects in it, and I don't think anyone watching that thought that doesn't look real. That doesn't look like a real creature. And that, as you say, is such a credit to to Ridley Scott, really, and his team. I'm now going to look at some of the the most memorable scenes from the film. Obviously, we've touched on some of them earlier, but we'll probably look at them in a little bit more depth now. So, the first one I'm go- I'm going to touch on, which is you know one of my favourite scenes, is uh, the thoughts on the space jockey scene. And ultimately, on the face hugger attacking Kane, I start with you, please, Jim. What are your thoughts on on this part of the film? It's just incredible. They step off that uh, the shuttle and they see, you know, this this incredible, you know, sort of spaceship as we find out. And it, you know, you're thinking, what 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 is it? You know, and uh, it's there, and, and 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 they get in there, and you just think. All right. Okay. Yeah. It's it's very believable again as a spaceship. You're interested to see what sort of spaceship it is, what's in there. And then, you know, as they're, exa- as they're sort of uh, exploring, you, it pans out and you see this this massive structure with with this this person in. With um, And, and it, it amazes me that nobody... Like, I'm watching it and I'm thinking, that guy in that spaceship, in that spacesuit, is massive. Mm-hmm. And they sort of yeah. potter around him and, and none of them mention it. None of them mention and think, say like, "Oh my God, I hope there's not many any of these lying around you because they're huge." <laughs> they're like, <laughs> you know, they're, they're, there's no mention of that at all. And and then you know, uh, Kane goes off exploring, doesn't he? And and it, and that's the start of it because it's the usual yeah. thing where he's looking down and you're thinking to yourself, "Don't go down there." There, yeah, there's nothing not good. Go there's nothing good down there. And if you're going to go down there, don't go down there on your own. And then it's just the builder. So you see him going down, and, you th- and like I say, you're thinking, don't go down there. 
but then he's down there and then he's sort of exploring again and you can see all these eggs and, and when I'm watching it I was thinking how oh, he's that space jockey's been dead for a long time those eggs are just there you know just feeding off something and you never quite get to see at that point what they're feeding off but later on in the film you get you get the gist of it of, of what they're feeding on you know and how, how they're still sustaining themselves and then it just it just explodes into action for 15 seconds uh and that is and, and that's the start of it all and it, it's just so well done it's paced perfectly you know, it's just, it is literally the three of them, they're, they're sort of a little bit excited, a little bit of trepidation. And then sort of, he gets a little bit too, too enthusiastic Kane and, and, and that's it. Uh, and we all know what happens after that. No, so summed up brilliantly there. What about yourself, Rory? What are your thoughts on, on that part of the film? When you watch films since, you kind of know that that's kind of classic suspense building. Do you know what I mean? I, I just try and yeah. always think back to what it would have been like at the time. And, and they would have quite innocently gone, oh, it's fine, they're just exploring the spaceship, <laughs> you know. And obviously, as Jim said, they see that giant um, fossiled kind of creature. I'd be quite nervous at that point. It doesn't seem to phase them at all, um, <laughs> at all. But, um, but yeah, the face hugger, something was inevitably going to happen, but I don't think you ever saw that. And, and obviously, you know, you see them when they're back to the ship and they cut his helmet off. You have no idea if it's going to be attached in that way, you know, down his windpipe, you know, breathing for him. Um, it's it's quite a remarkable thing, really. Um, and yeah, it's it's it sets the film up as you you kind of expect it to. Um, it's it's building the right kind of tension without you being ultimately. It's obviously called Alien, you know, and and I'm sure the signs were there in the posters and everything else, but. I still don't think you know when it's going to strike or, or what's going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think I think that first kind of opening thirty minutes is, is a really good kind of setting up for for what goes on afterwards. Totally, totally, and uh, it's interesting that you both mentioned about you know they 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 don't seem too alarmed by seeing this space jockey with us. You know, something has burst out, exploded from his insides, as they call it. Uh, and it, it's interesting to me that in so many ways, A, just what's the backstory to this space jockey and what was he doing on this ship? But also, in that world, obviously, I am prone to getting really geeky, but in that world, what what is the current level of awareness of other things out there that they don't react that big to this huge giant figure with his insides exploded out. Do you know what I mean? So I like that there's a mystery behind his character and what his purpose was, and also just a mystery behind the universe they're living in. You know, is it like now? Or, as it seems in the film, they have actually had some alien contacts of some variety, clearly, but of what level and, and what exposure. So I find that really interesting. And I think the alien spaceship, again, credit to, to Geiger on this, is amazing. This sort of organic, it looks organic at times, mixed with metallic. And obviously the space jockey himself is is sort of, as he says, fused into his, his chair. All this stuff is so unsettling to watch. And then as you both said, then you've got this this face hugger that, that's attached to him. And that these are all things, you know, and obviously we'll touch on it a bit in a moment, I'm sure, but invading his body and all these things together are so unsettling and just make it 
affect you in every way. You know, it just makes you uncomfortable watching these things and obviously seeing, you know, it's wrapped around them and it's pulling on their throat and things and feeding them oxygen. Just, just hits every mark perfectly, really. Obviously, I've mentioned it there. Do either of yourselves have any thoughts or theories on who or what the space jockey was or what, what the purpose of this ship was or anything like that? I know, obviously, Prometheus has gave its version. Any theories at all? I don't like to make them, to be honest. I, I kind of like it to, to be as it is, do you know what I mean? That's, mm-hmm. I know a lot yep. of people would, would, I'm sure there's countless articles and all the rest of it at the time and, and now, but... Um, no, I kind of like it on its face value and, and not knowing, really. Yeah, I think I like not knowing, but I like sort of wondering, really. But yeah, no, I totally yeah. agree. I would, ne- I would never, if I was Ridley Scott, uh, and obviously, you know, he's such a talent, you know, credit to him, it's up to him what he does, but I would never have answered that question or tried to answer that question because yeah. you can never create something as good as the imagination of, you know, all these different possibilities. Do you have any photo theories, Jim, or are you a bit like Rory, rather just uh, leave it as is sort of thing? It's very, very intriguing. Um, and I've read sort of two or three different variations. You know, I'm just reading something from Rob Conn now, just uh, in the background while this is going on. But yeah, a, a very, very similar um, to, to you guys is that, um, you know, the... Um, the reality is that my imagination and what I think has happened is different to yours, different to Rory's and everyone else's. So how we can try and, you know, formulate a film that's going to tick all those boxes and not leave anyone disappointed is almost impossible. I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, Prometheus was okay. And I'm looking forward to the next couple that he's going to do, but I just wish that he, he'd left it and let the, um, I can't think of the chap's name now, but the guy that uh, directed District 9, um, oh, you'll know his name, Joe, and you will, Rory. I can't think of his Rory, name. Rory might have forgot his name now, sorry. I know you, you, know, you know the chap I'm on about, he's, he, yeah. he was supposed to do like um, a prequel, wasn't he? But I think he, even doing, you... There is another alien film in development, yeah. but I'm not sure if he's doing it or not. Um, it's he's, Neil Blomkamp, South African director. Yeah, he's taken a break because uh, Ridley Scott wants to push on with the Covenant, um, and I think they were going to be sort of too similar. So he's waiting for yeah. Ridley to do his uh, next trilogy of the aliens or the prequels. And then I think he's going to do his, which would, you know, is a bit sort of disappointing, really. But yeah, I think, um, I, I don't know how you can, I, I'm not quite sure how you can put it all together in how these, how this creature has come about. It's just, um, I think, just leave it to the imagination. Yeah, I think, I think that's what disappointed me with Prometheus and the idea of prequels in general. Like I, prequels in general don't often do a lot for me. Do you know what I mean? I, I know yeah. um, we can talk Star Wars and you guys have, you know, but uh, well, Jamas and, and you know, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's it's difficult, isn't it, with prequels because it it's it's starting to retell the story in a different way and. And then it starts to affect your impact on what you think of the the film that was made before it, but is after it, and, and all the rest of it. It's I, I've never been a, a massive fan of them. They're occasionally done right if it's a different story and it's the way to kind of fit certain aspects in, but it's very rarely done right. So uh, you know, I watched 
Prometheus. I wasn't a massive fan, to be honest. So, yeah, I, I just didn't think there was any need. I, I just don't think there's a need. I don't think there's any need for any more alien films, really. I, I just, I think you leave things as they are. You know, it's it's always seems a shame. Ridley can still make good sci-fi if you've seen The Martian. Do you know what I mean? He can still do mm. it. And it's like, you know, yeah. a different film, obviously, a different style. And, mm. well, you know, um, but it, it can still do it. It doesn't need to do this again. You know, that's... I think sometimes, really. sometimes you just got to accept that this is where it starts, you know. Yeah. This yeah. is where it starts for this particular character, if you if you want to call the alien the character. Mm-hmm. We don't need to know the hows, whys, and wherefores. This is how it started, and if it goes on for another at least one and potentially one and a half very very good films um, mm-hmm. before before it gets ruined because it made too much money as a franchise. Yeah, yeah no, some great points made by you both there, and I think I, I pretty much share, share them, really. What about, uh, obviously, the, the, the most iconic and famous scene of the film, the chest burst scene? What are your thoughts on that, Jim? I know you mentioned it earlier on. Yeah, it's just fantastic. It is is literally how we can go from, you know, you, you've got the, 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 the group of... Uh, really disappointed, really upset, really struggling to come to terms with what's happening to uh, John Hurt's character. Um, you know, it, it's all gone wrong in the space of, you know, in a very sh- small space of time for them. They've been asleep expecting to be returning to uh, to Earth. Um, they've been woken up short of, of obviously going home. They've got a new mission uh, and they're there and they're thinking, what what is wrong with him? What have we let onto the ship? And is he going to survive? And, and how are we going to sort of deal with that? To oh my god, he's alive, he's awake. Let's all go and have one last meal before we get back into uh, into the deep freeze. Um, and and you know, next time we wake up, we'll be we'll be back at home and 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 cashing our checks. And you know, Parker's considerably happy uh, about mm-hmm. that, and he, he's cracking jokes and and enjoying his food. And so sort of ten seconds, it's. Um, it, it, it's gone, you know, and, and it, it, nothing's ever going to be the same again for any of them. And because they're they're just workers as such, you know, manual manual labourers, really. You know, some of them are very intelligent. In the case of Ripley um, and obviously uh, Ash, but other than that, you know, the others are just sort of manual labourers, manual workers. And to see something like that, I can, I can only imagine the sort of uh, distress and the trauma it would cause. Not to mention it's happening to to one of your friends. Um, and it, it, it's just perfectly put together. It, it's just the the way the atmosphere just changes in in an instant, and and you can see on on all of their faces, you know, what has happened. We can understand it, and then they go on the hunt for for, for this for this creature, which is is probably the the worst thing really that they could have done. Now summed up really well there. Uh, what about yourself, Rory? What are your thoughts on? On, on this scene? I don't think I could add much more, to be honest. Jim perfectly summed it up. I think the hunt element of it is, is great. It's it's in film world, you know there's casualties coming. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you know they're yeah. in trouble when they go hunting an alien in the dark. And ah, as it kind of starts to transpire and it just gets more and more tension and obviously <clears throat> more and more of them die. And all they are is, is hunting around in the dark with this small sensor you know, the, the bleeps, do you know what I mean? And even the scene with the cat makes you jump a little bit, probably oh, in the totally. first kind of time. Um, there's that tension building up, all the vents and the the style. And when we talked about the ship earlier, this is just the scene where you get to explore more of the ship. And yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great period of the film. It slightly ups the pace a little bit, which I think is good because it's just a slight shift in dynamic because it does build 
when when a film builds pace, it starts to build tension a little bit. It's it's, it's very curious, very clever part of the film. No, to- totally agree. And I think you you mentioned it there that that sensor is such a great invention for building tension, isn't it? What about yourself, Jim? What are your thoughts on the the hunts for the alien? I know you mentioned earlier on it was probably the worst thing we could do. Yeah, I, I love that scene with uh, with Dallas. You know, for, and and that, that just goes back to what what I said earlier about him. You know, he, he's the captain of the ship. He's the one going in there, and and you you, you know it's coming, but they yeah. build it in such a way. And, um, you know, Veronica Cartwright, what her name is, she doesn't do much in the film, but what she does in, in sort of that particular section is very, very good because she is, she's the, she's the one that it probably affects the most. Um, and that goes back, I think, to what Rory and yourself said, the potent, I think possibly she was, um, Kane's partner sort of, or, or love interest in the film. But, um, yeah, it, it's, it's just when he's, you know, he's dropping down and, and you can see the two beeps getting closer to closer and you're thinking, oh my God, you, you know, you, 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 your heart rate's going a bit when you're watching it and you're thinking, and you're almost sort of turning away from the screen because you're thinking, well, it's going to get him. Yeah. And then it doesn't. And then, no. And then he says, oh, I've had enough of this. And you think, oh, whew, he's, uh, <laughs> he's got away with it. <laughs> and then literally the lights on and there it is in oh, only for a split second in, in, you know, in all this glory, ready to, and, and it's just, oof, it is, yeah, it's, it's a killer, and it? it's just, <laughs> you're just like, oh my God, thank, in a way, you're like, thank God it's got him, because I couldn't, I don't think I could put up with another sort of 30 seconds of, of the tension, it's, um, yeah, this it's a really, really good scene. Totally agree, and I think it's so good that, the way it's done in terms of, he's been so unflappable throughout, and so brave, and so calm, and when you see him losing his cool, as anyone would, that sort of adds to your attention because you're like, if if Dallas is losing his cool, then it really is bad. And you can see Ripley, she knows where it's going. They, they all know how this is going to turn out. And I think that really, you know, adds that, you know, that that punishing tension, as we've mentioned. Obviously, as Rory said, I'm aware of the time. There's so much we've discussed and there's so little time. So I'd just like to ask you both before we wrap it up, if there's any 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 moments or scenes we haven't touched on or lines or anything like that that you'd like to maybe draw attention to before we finish, starting with yourself, please, Rory. I think just the, the closing scene is is excellent. So um, obviously Ripley comes face to face, you know, with it, um, and and she's the only one that probably she knows what she needs to do. She she uses a, a brains and a mouse to well, you know, ultimately you know save her own life. Do you know what I mean? Um, and yeah. that's the quite incredible part of it. You know, or, or, you know, you need someone to survive. You need something to come of it, and it's it's a great kind of final scene, and then you know the effects come into to great use. Then you see a lot more of the alien in those scenes when he's uh, holding on, you know, he's strapped on outside the ship, and then they, she fires the kind of rocket boosters and and fries it and stuff. I just think that's it's a really good close to to, to the film as such, um, and then her just kind of talking away in and and you know you know leading back to to worse as such and um yeah I, I just think it wraps the film up really well um i think just briefly touching on it i think the cut is really something quite um incredible of this film because obviously director's cuts and all various other things i read that the full film was was three hours 12 minutes without cuts 
Wow. And it's what an hour, an hour fifty seven, I think, the standard kind of running time. And you can just kind of tell probably what went into it in the footage and be much more, you know, tension if you, you're doing a three hour film of this kind of nature. But but yeah, it's cut so well. Do you know what I mean? It's it's not a film that that need you know. There's certain films you say, oh, that that bit dragged or this bit wasn't right. It's just it's a perfectly kind of edited and, and cut film, and, and that does go a long way because in in a film that builds tension um, and builds kind of on a momentum scale, it, it needs to be done perfectly, and that's that's why you know films that don't have that lead in at the beginning and don't play out the right way throughout just don't set that kind of tone and tension it's 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 majestic really yeah you're right it's just perfection how it how it builds that tension and doesn't go too far doesn't go too short it's just every bit is perfection do you have any thoughts on that final scene or any other scenes or moments you want to draw attention to jim before we wrap it up yeah, I, I really like the final scene, and um, I think it's sort of fitting that it takes it takes not only uh, opening the sort of uh, the hatch to get out into space, but to stick the afterburners on to get rid of it, just to show you know what a sort of um, incredible, as I've said you know numerous times already, what what an incredible sort of creature it is it just it will not give up. And I, I like the sort of contrast when it when it you know when she finds finds him in the ship and how clever it is. And then not only has he tucked himself away in there, but it's, it's perfectly relaxed. He's, he's tucked himself away. He's fast asleep. Um, <laughs> you know, as if, as if he knows he's got a long, a long 10 month flight ahead of him. Uh, and it's, it's, it's just a sort of a good contrast from, from sort of how it's been during the film. One scene oh, that always sort of gets me thinking, and I, and I read various things on it uh, as well, is when he kills, um, Victoria Veronica Cartwright's character and you see like the tail sort of thing come up uh, from behind him and sort of go up um, in between her legs as if as if it's either going to impale her uh, and you know and, and or obviously something else of various uh, whichever way you want to look at it I suppose but um, I don't know if you guys have noticed that scene or think anything uh, of it uh, various different uh, sort of uh, ideas behind it but it seems considering I was killed everybody else by sort of face on and opening his mouth for the the little face to come out, yeah. you know, it's um no, it's a it's a very distinctive change in sort of the way it uh, it it kills him. Yeah, no, it definitely is. I'm not really sure what what my thoughts are around that because obviously there's enough there to suggest something, but not enough to be certain mm. what actually happened beyond that. But it it it's another one of those things that adds to the unsettling nature, as you say. You're used to these other ways of it killing people or harming people and then there's this this different dynamic or, or different way of doing it that it looks like it's using and I, I think it just adds another layer of unsettling tension i think that's something we'll probably talk about more when we do an aliens pod because i know we're going to be doing that as well we're going to be talking more about all the different ways obviously the aliens uh, do kill and do harm the different people so maybe we'll revisit it then i'm just uh, aware of the time i'd just like to uh, thank everyone for listening uh, thank you both for being great guests i've really enjoyed this and just ask you both uh, where can we find more of your work firstly uh, or your thoughts starting with rory uh i'm at rory greenfield on twitter um you can find me on there i do write football articles directly for ai and 
obviously part of the AI, um, AI comic pod and various others at the minute quite busy <laughs> so all good therefore I'd recommend anyone to check out Rory's articles and obviously any pods he's on because obviously as you can tell he's a he's a really great talker and got a lot of interesting views and what about yourself Jim? Uh, yeah no uh, no podcasts no articles any longer <laughs> you catch me on Twitter at JimFish286 where I mainly talk about uh, Liverpool been talking a little bit about Sam Allardyce this afternoon which has uh, wound a few people up uh, but mainly <laughs> I uh, I talk about um, Kinkoid Ladies which are the football team I'm assistant manager of We so if you like your grassroots football if you fancy getting involved in uh, women's football at all Give me a shout. We play in the uh, in the Welsh National Premier League, so we travel all around Wales. Good standard, good good set of girls, good side, and uh, we're in pre-season at the moment. So, um, yeah, you can expect plenty of tweets about that and the stresses and trials of tribulations of being in management in football <laughs> over the next sort of nine months. And can I just say, uh, yeah, thank you very much uh, for having me on. I really appreciate it. It's good to talk to you two guys. You're uh, two very, very good guys. And um, yeah, I look forward to uh, listening to all the future stuff that you do. Oh, thanks, thanks very much, Jim. And uh, best of luck to you and your team for the future. Um, I look forward to hearing now you get on. I'm sure you'll do great. And uh, obviously, to anybody listening, these two guys, I would say, are must-follow. So you know what to do on Twitter. And uh, I'd just like to say, as always, thanks for listening. Uh, any feedback, good or bad, film recommendations, I'm on Twitter at JoeSimpson79 or at AI Movie Night. Thanks once again. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Thank you.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.